0: The topic of our Dhamma Tongue this evening is Kusala Akusala, and already part 5. And uh, I promise you, there will not be a part uh, 6. Now, uh, today we shall uh, finish off our uh, topic by continuing you know, with an exploration. Of you know, the wholesome roots of um, the wholesome roots, and during the previous talk, uh, the main topic was non-greed, aloba in the Pali scriptural language. Today, just a few sen- sentences will be said on non-hatred, so ados. And Satna Marcia will elaborate on this topic tomorrow. And Satna the emphasis of our talk, Kretna, tonight will be on (coughs) non-delusion. An important aspect. Now, just Satna to give you a few uh, synonyms uh, for uh, non-hatred, namely that which at that time is hatelessness, being without hate, absence of ill will, being without ill will, non-hatred, which is the root of meritoriousness. Viata Salini, provides us uh, with the following definition for um, non-hatred. It says, goodwill is that which does not ruin one's own or another's bodily or mental happiness, worldly or future advantage, and good report. Modern terms for or, or qualities that come under non hatred are loving kindness, furthermore, forgiveness, harmlessness, gentleness, amity, and friendliness. You might remember. The characteristic of uh, uh, hatred. What was that? The mental factor of hatred and its characteristic. A person under the influence of hatred is still kind, friendly, behaves like. (coughs) What's that? Raffle, yes, behaves in a, f- in a, might behave in a savage manner, in a ferocious manner, and the commentary suggests or gives as an illustration, like a poisonous snake that gets provoked. And so, poisonous snakes, what do they usually do? If you think of cobras, They go after, they come after you, and if they can get you, they strike. That's it. So, in the case of non-hatred, the characteristic is given as, and now that's obvious, a lack of ferocity, a lack of savageness, and as a second characteristic, of non opposing, like a gentle friend. Its function is to remove annoyance in the stream of consciousness, or the second function is to remove the fever in the mind that usually comes along with ill will, hatred. Its manifestation is uh, is said to be agreeableness like the full moon. Non-hatred comprises such positive virtues as loving-kindness, gentleness, amity and friendliness. So non-hatred is not just the absence of hatred but rather the opposite of hatred And certainly with this, it covers quite a range of fundamental qualities. So when we compare loving-kindness, metta, with non-hatred, adosa, Which one would you say is wider in scope? Adosa. Adosa, there you go. So, non-hatred. When one deliberately radiates Satna loving-kindness towards oneself and Satna others wishing may such and such person be free from danger and enmity, be free from mental suffering, from physical suffering, and look after himself or herself happily, then at that point loving-kindness would be there. But while studying Listening to um, studying the Dhamma, listening to a Dhamma talk, one might be you know, thinking of the Buddha and certainly his various qualities. And at that point, loving kindness is not necessarily you know, present, but that certainly what is present is a form of non hatred or an aspect of non hatred. So, in short, you know, we can say loving kindness is is the loving kindness in essence is adosa but not all forms of adosa of non-hatred are uh, the loving kindness so just uh, this much on this uh, aspect of adosa as a root of wholesomeness Now today we shall concern ourselves Um, and primarily with Amoha. Moha Moha means what? Delusion. Amoha means non-delusion. Now what we shall do is first explore the question of how does one gain wisdom, and certainly then secondly, what is wisdom? And in order to keep our exploration um, up to date, we shall take a look at some modern manifestations. Now. The Alawakratna Sutta of the Samyutta Nikaya, namely the 10th Collection, Discourse number 12, um, has the demon, the ferocious demon, uh, Alawaka Yakra, um, gets into kind of uh, a rather unpleasant conversation with the buddha and uh, mm, and suddenly then you know this alawaka, ferocious alawaka, asks the buddha a number of questions and one of those is how does one gain wisdom in the Pani scriptural language, the sentence is, or the question is, kattam sulabhate panyam. So, this is what we shall explore. Now, how does one gain wisdom? A couple of years after a, retreat, a mountain hermitage shut retreat in New Mexico, I ended up traveling from here to Los Angeles and certainly then spending some time with a Buddhist uh, a scholar at one of uh, the universities in the greater Los Angeles area. A young man, I'm not quite sure whether he was a full professor or an assistant professor, but something like that. Associated associated professor. Mm, very friendly person bright and very much interested in the meditation practice. He himself was certainly meditating and he raised the question in our modern times, modern society, is there any way or is there any shortcut to the realization of Nibbana? (laughs) So in other words, can we gain Nibbana n- n- in uh, let's say uh, maybe maximum two weeks uh, uh ideally in seven days, and so we discussed uh, you know, this topic quite a bit, and uh, he kept quizzing me uh, w- whether there was not just uh, you know some way some uh, yeah, need a certain way, yeah, to avoid certain of these long time retreats, long term yeah, retreats. So yeah, then, how does one gain wisdom? I've prepared a couple of questions for you. Does one gain uh, wisdom by taking an online course in insight mm-hmm. knowledges? And it's certainly by (laughs) aiming for a BA in (laughs) Gnanas, or possibly an MA in the same topic, or maybe, to take it really far, a PhD. Now, what would you think of this proposal? Possible or not possible? It doesn't work like that. You could still attend that, or still do the online course. You'll end up with a lot of theoretical knowledge, but certainly does that uh, in that way. Do you actually gain wisdom? Would you say yes or no? no? No. So a clear no here. Now. Something that uh, another approach uh, seems to be uh, spreading quite a bit: reading a couple of Dhamma books, especially of some of certain teachers, and certainly uh, staying at home and practicing all by oneself without a teacher. And being extremely familiar with uh, all the texts, all the descriptions about insight knowledges. So, what do you think of this? Would this video be, be a shortcut?
1: It actually might be the long way around.
0: Ah, <laughs> so why is that?
1: Well, it's easy to kind of delude yourself that you're seeing something that's not really properly being seen, um, and to miss things that you should notice
0: there's no one to help you point it out that knows the way already there you go very wise answer so practicing without a teacher especially when one is still relatively new to the meditation practice is or to this endeavor to gain uh, wisdom Is certainly not necessarily a wise thing to do because there are um, many pitfalls along the path and. As Satnevanukeemagu has Satne said, no one can easily delude oneself into understanding something, um, in, uh, into interpreting certain experiences in a certain way, and it might very well be that those interpretations are utterly off the mark. Now, how do we gain wisdom by maybe going into a forest sitting close to a creek, and certainly then hoping for an act of uh, an act of grace of a supreme being that because with uh, this grace of the supreme being finally. Uh, the wisdom uh, then arises in the mind. What about this approach? Will this work? Good luck. Good. <laughs> so you're saying good luck? Now you need to elaborate a little bit more. <laughs> why? <laughs> why this is?
1: Uh, process of elimination that we're going through here, practicing uh, with a teacher and learning experientially about the the Dharma is my understanding of a way to actually uh, access some true insight.
0: Uh So we have to do it ourselves. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. It would be so nice if it would be otherwise. (laughs) No. So that one doesn't work either. Would you have uh, any recommendations in terms of taking a shortcut? So you've been practicing so many... Years already, most of you. So, haven't uh, haven't you had any uh, great idea of how to shorten all of this? Is there? The shortest way is to come on retreats as often as possible. (laughs) Ah, there you go. (laughs) Okay. So that is certainly correct. Now, this question, how to gain wisdom, how to deeply understand the meaning of life, the meaning of our uh, position in the world, this is a question that has certainly been of interest not Satna just to Asian uh, sages, but has also been of great interest to a great deal of Fatna philosophers. Think of the European philosophers, think of modern philosophers who have come up with all sorts of philosophies of concepts of theories, what the world is all about, and our place in it, now, what about this approach? Is this uh, the correct approach to gaining wisdom? Would you approve of this so by by th- uh, uh, deeply, profoundly thinking, by philosophizing, by setting up theories, or putting together theories. Will this work? I've tried that one. You've tried that one?
1: <laughs> 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 it doesn't work
0: so.
1: <laughs> there is another theory. That will contradict something that you thought earlier.
0: Ah, there you go. That's it. Now, Western, uh, let's say ancient, certain so, no, philosophy, and so, no, let us refer no, specifically to the philosophy of the Greeks, is basically all, no, or no, all rests on uh, thinking, on thinking things out, trying to understand you know, the world and our place in the world, you know, through you know, thinking but unfortunately there are certain limitations to thinking now what about reading trying to gain wisdom through reading so having to attend a retreat and spending hours and hours in sitting meditation and walking meditation is pretty uh, pretty, demanding. It's much easier to simply stay home, relax, and uh, read plenty of Dhamma books. So is this going to help us to understand, for instance, Anatta? Is this going to help us to understand uh, nibbana. Would you say yes or no? Mm. Again, a no to this one. No. What we can say or what we can see, based on what uh, we've explored sadness so far. This gaining of Fudna Wisdom is possible only under certain conditions. One of Fudna those certain conditions is that one actually does the meditation practice. Another, would you see other conditions for the gaining of wisdom? What else? It takes time. Uh, it takes time, so we need time. Yes. As we've seen early on, a teacher is required. Yes, and then
1: um, I was going to say it's it's helpful to have at least some doctrinal background, and so so you're not constantly misinterpreting your experience.
0: Mm-hmm. To have some uh, theoretical background or understanding. Yes. Anything else? Apply mindfulness as often and continuously as possible in every minute of the day. Ah, so to be uh, mindful as much as possible, as continuously as possible. Yes, correct. Now, mm, coming on a retreat, and uh, then following the schedule, doing just like everyone else, but having a bottle of whiskey in one's room. <laughs> <laughs> and helping oneself, uh, taking a sip once in a while, uh, when the pains and eggs that come up in the practice are getting too much. What about this approach?
1: <laughs> that might not work so well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, you could include also the idea of uh, practicing sila
0: Ah, there you go So, sila is closely related to this gaining of wisdom So it's not that certain wisdom arises somewhere in an of empty vacuum, but it arises within a certain context, and that context you know, then consists of, as we've fitness seen, you know, actually doing the meditation practice under the, the guidance or with the you know, guidance of some knowledgeable you know, teachers, and you know, then, as Deborah has certainly said. Continuous mindfulness needs to be there, and our practice needs to be established, profoundly established in uh, virtue, in virtuous conduct. Now, see, one of Fetna, the very basic uh, aspects of Fatna mindfulness practice, Satipatthana practice, is the purification of the mind. So, how are we going to get at that purified state of mind if we're not properly established in virtue? And so, um, observing precepts that then help to cultivate our bodily as well as our verbal conduct are or is one way of contributing towards that uh, purification. Can you see, or do you see still other conditions that are necessary for the gaining of wisdom? What else? health, suitable climate, suitable food. Yeah, good, and uh, the various suitabilities. Mm-hmm. So, suitable, uh, suitable health, and climate, and certain food. hmm Anything else?
1: Humbleness. What's that? Humbleness.
0: Humility. Oh, humility. Humility, uh, yes, indeed, that's a good point. Jerry
1: Direct, experiences, direct ah, experiences
0: That's an interesting point. So direct experiences as opposed to for instance, imagining uh, certain experiences or having certain concepts about what should be happening in one's practice. There's a huge difference between what is actually happening and what one imagine, might be imagining to uh, happen. And? I was just gonna say this. Ah, uh, there you go! another good, certain point, and especially when uh, let's say one feels certain uh, somewhat certain, weak, a bit tired, etc, to practise in a group on, of other together uh, with other retreatants can be extremely supportive now does wisdom arise? Or, or let me ask differently on wo- based on which factors does wisdom tend to arise is it based on unwholesome mental states Wholesome mental states, Wholesome mental states? correct and so uh, what other factors is uh, no, no wisdom based on concentration. ah what about concentration so, mindfulness is necessary, concentration is necessary, those two prepared you know, the ground you know, for the arising of you know, wisdom. Can you, do you see any other factors?
1: Energy.
0: What's that? Energy. That is correct, energy, and you know, then you might add faith. Correct faith, or confidence, or trust in, in, in the practice, in the teachings. So with this, we have already a number of factors that contribute to the arising of wisdom. Now, let us briefly take a look what Suddhna, the text Suddhna say. So the Buddha, in reply to this ferocious demon, Ala-wakka-yakka, to the question, how does one gain wisdom, came up with the following answer. Placing faith in the Dhamma of the Arahants for the attainment of Nibbana. From desire to learn, one gains wisdom if one is diligent and astute. So several factors are involved here, namely faith in the Dhamma by which the arahants, the Buddhas, the Pachika Buddhas and other disciples attained Nibbana. When faith is present, faith in the teachings, one is more likely to approach a teacher and lend the teacher an ear or two and hear the Dhamma. And upon hearing the Dhamma, hearing new our aspects that are new, that suddenly um, resonate with one's sudden being, with one's heart and mind, may then lead to a desire to learn the Dhamma Sususam, in the Pali scriptural language this much is good but not good enough one also must be diligent in the sense of being constantly mindful and astute in distinguishing what is well spoken and what is badly spoken that certain is certainly the explanation given by the commentator The mineral side of the Birams of Burma, when speaking about the factors that lead to the arising of wisdom, frequently referred to this sequence consisting of first faith, out of faith arises a desire to study and, in, part- in particular, to practice the Dhamma. This desire uh, then quite naturally will lead a person to make effort to exert oneself, and so, uh, then mm, that effort together with aiming will. And then pave the way for the arising of mindfulness and that in turn in the presence of continuous mindfulness will lead suddenly to the uh, mind the observing mind squarely falling onto you know, the respective object of observation in other words concentration arises develops and all of these sudden factors then mm, mm, uh, allow intuitive wisdom to unfold now in support of what we have discussed that so far is the is a distorted very short discourse from the fifth volume of the nikaya section 411 and And then Discourse asks, what for things, when developed and cultivated, lead to the realization of the fruit of stream entry? So in other words, to the realization of stream entry, of path and the fruit of stream entry. What for? And the answer given there is, number one, association with superior persons. So a wise you know, friend, a spiritual friend, someone who is well-versed or you know, knowledgeable about Satana, you know, the practice, and Satana, the Dhamma. Secondly, hearing the true Dhamma, or if you like to, in a wider sense, uh, reading about the Dhamma or participating in Dhamma discussions, then a wise attention towards formations, so considering new things in, uh, in a proper way, and finally, and the last point is extremely important, actually practicing in accordance with the Dhamma. Now, there's no shortage of those who love to associate with some spiritual friend, a Bita, who love to listen to Dhamma talks and even take the precepts, and who are somewhat considered in you know, their um, behavior but when it comes to practice they say that's for my next existence and so those are the ones who practice dhana and sila but when it comes to bhavana, mental development they say no no it's time to go home the discourse suddenly then concludes these four things when developed and cultivated lead to greatness of wisdom or to the realization of uh, uh, the noble path and uh, fruit of stream entry. Now there are other passages in the texts that highlight or that describe uh, other sequences of uh, uh, factors that contribute uh, to the arising of uh, intuitive wisdom. Among those, we have the gradual path of training, which mentions as its first factor faith. Secondly, right thought, namely thoughts of renunciation, followed by you know, taking the, voluntarily taking the precepts, followed also by restraint of the senses, which is what we're doing here. And uh, next comes the practice of mindfulness and clear comprehension. With those one overcomes the hindrances and uh, you know, then reaches concentration and uh, based on all of these factors uh, and then intuitive wisdom unfolds now as a piece of evidence for the fact that intuitive wisdom is certainly strongly related, you know, or the, the gaining, the arising, the acquisition of intuitive wisdom is strongly related to meditation, we have Dhammapada verse 282 which in English says, indeed, wisdom is born of meditation. Without meditation, wisdom is lost. Knowing this twofold path of gain and loss of wisdom, one should conduct oneself so that wisdom may increase. During the time of uh, the Buddha, there were, even today, there were different approaches to the gaining of knowledge. So in the context of ancient, as well as modern, now Indian or let's say the Indian subcontinent there was first there wasn't that is the approach of going by oral tradition, namely passing on now texts. memorizing texts and passing them on from one generation to the next, from uh, a generation of teachers to their disciples, from those disciples who then become teachers to their disciples, and so on and so forth. Another approach in the philosophical setting of ancient India was to rely on logical reasoning. So using the intellect, using logic you know, to prove you know, this or that. And the third approach you know, was and still is the approach of direct intuition. Venerable Analayo, in his Satna Bhukkhana Satipatthana, remarks in this context, when asked on his own epistemological position, the Buddha placed himself in the third category, namely among those who emphasized the development of direct personal knowledge. Now, although the Buddha did not completely reject oral tradition or logical reasoning, he himself on many occasions during debates uh, um, d- with uh, representatives of other philosophical schools y- mm, uh, made certain use of Vatna uh, logic. However, so the Buddha did not completely reject oral tradition or logical reasoning as ways of acquiring knowledge. He was, however, keenly aware of their limitations. The problem with oral tradition is that material texts committed to memory might be wrongly remembered or and moreover, even material that has been well remembered might be false and misleading to start with. And with logical reasoning it might seem extremely convincing but then turn out to be unsound. Moreover, even sound reasoning might prove false and misleading if it is based on false premises. On the other hand, what has not been well-remembered, or what does not appear to be perfectly well-reasoned might still turn out to be true. The Buddha himself Speaks of three forms of wisdom, namely wisdom which is based on thinking in the Pali scripture language known as Chintamaya Panya, then we have wisdom based on learning, Sutamaya Panya in the Pali scripture language, and finally we have Bhavanamaya Panya. And which is knowledge based on mental development. No doubt that thinking or through new thinking, much shuddering has been achieved and can be achieved. If you think of Albert Einstein's. Uh, uh, intellectual capacity, and the theories he came up with, the relativity theory, etc. Theories that still nowadays are not valid, it shows you the power of this particular approach. But, it is not through thinking that we understand Anatta, let alone what Nibbana is all about. The second approach of knowledge based on learning, so listening you know, to you know, discourses, reading books, and uh, participating in discussions and you know, so on, all of you know, this is great you know, to increase our worldly knowledge so we learn things that previously we have we didn't know but with this kind of l- knowledge based on learning again it certainly will not help us it will not serve us you know, to clearly you know, discern the true nature of formations and it is only the third approach of footnote knowledge based on mental development that leads to knowledge. And here, by knowledge, we do not mean intellectual type of thinking or knowledge based on learning, nor some traditional knowledge about certain weather, the formations and the cycles of agriculture and whatnot, but rather we mean intuitive knowledge So the Pani term Panya derives from the verbal root Jnā to know and the prefix Pā and certainly its verbal form comes as "pajanati," namely he or she knows. The standard Definition for you know, wisdom as certainly given in the Majjhima Nikaya, as well as certainly Visuddhimagga, you know, is one wisely understands the Four Noble Truths. One wisely understands this is suffering, this is certainly the origin of suffering, this is the cessation of suffering and the path leading to the cessation of suffering now, when it comes to this definition, one experiences a little bit of uh, a few pains and snakes in the body, a few mental difficult mental states, and then uh, one can say, Well, uh, now I know the first noble truth and uh, when attachment to some pleasant experience is there one might say okay now i understand the second noble truth and suddenly in terms of the third noble truth is it that easily accessible what would you say just by thinking it's not nor is the fourth noble truth of Fatna, the path leading to the cessation of suffering. These things have to be experienced by oneself. And there's no way around it through thinking or logical uh, reasoning or whatever else it might be. Now, that wisdom. Should be established on virtue and certain concentration, so on nisila and samadhi, can be taken nisila, from various passages in the Samyutta Nikaya. One of those is the Chandana Sutta of the young Deva Chandana, who addressed of the Buddha and in. A verse asking who here crosses over the flood, unwearing by day and night, who does not sink in the deep without support, without a hold? And to this question the Buddha, the Blessed One, then answers, one always perfect in virtue, so that's your Sila aspect endowed with wisdom, well concentrated, so that's the concentration part, and one energetic and resolute. And being resolute here, meaning having a fixed aim or purpose. Such a one crosses the flood so hard to cross. Another uh, somewhat similar uh, discourse is there also in the Nikaya, mm, namely on uh, the tangle, and it speaks uh, mm, in, uh, or it's uh, uh, s- given in more or less the same words. So, when you think of intuitive wisdom, which words come to your mind? What to you represents intuitive wisdom? This particular quality? Direct experience. Direct experience, yes. What else?
1: Seeing deeply the three
0: universal characteristics. Seeing deeply the three universal characteristics, yes, very good. And Jen? Um, it, internal knowing. Internal knowing, yes. By internal, you mean it's seeing within oneself. Mm hmm. Any other words that come to your mind? The knowing that comes before concepts. Ah, knowing that that comes before concepts. Yes, good. Still, maybe one more. When you observe, and for uh, the wisdom to, to arise, does your mind need to kind of skim over the surface of objects, it has to penetrate objects, it has to investigate certain objects mm-hmm. deeply, it has to scrutinize certain objects. So the Dhamma Sanghani Uh, is uh, useful uh, for uh, synonyms. And so it comes up, it contains a long list of synonyms for for wisdom, or in other words, for uh, non-delusion. And among uh, those, we have a thorough understanding of something, then scrutiny of impermanence, so, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and so on. Then, investigative knowledge of the Dhamma, and uh, no, this certainly refers to the Four Noble Truths. Discriminative knowledge, but it's not in the form that one discriminates against others, but uh, discriminating uh, between one object and another and seeing, you know, seeing differences then comparative examination is yet another uh, valid uh, term here a lot or on many occasions intuitive wisdom arises by the mind comparing one thing to another so to give you an example, by comparing by or by first experiencing restlessness of the mind and then eventually overcoming the restlessness and then once the hindrances have been overcome then calmness, peacefulness, serenity, tranquility set in. And it is through this comparison of first experiencing restlessness, agitation of the mind, to uh, then experiencing the peacefulness and tranquility that one s- starts um, seeing the difference. One starts understanding restlessness to be an unwholesome mental factor, and, hold and tranquility, peacefulness, etc. being a wholesome mental factor. Penetrative wisdom is yet another term. Insight, clear comprehension, the faculty of wisdom Wisdom like a sword, and something wisdom like a torch, wisdom like light, and investiga- investi- investigative uh, knowledge of the Dhamma. So we have terms like mm, uh, well, we have wisdom, we have insight knowledge, we have non-delusion investigation of states, that would be a particular uh, one of the the enlightenment factors, the second one, and there's still another term, namely right view. Now, just briefly, The very characteristic of Futna Wisdom is penetrating things. So by things we can say penetrating physical objects, penetrating mental objects. And penetrating them to an extent so that we get to see their individual essences. And not just you know, ski or, you know, stay at the surface of things. Now, to give you an example, a negative example you know, for um, uh, you know, this characteristic here so lacking penetra- you know, penetration. When a retreatant comes for an interview, and then you know, the teacher asks, "Well, uh, uh, today, what was your uh, rising and falling like?" And the retreater replies, "Well, the rising when the rising uh, when the rising occurred, when the rising of the abdomen took place, it was rising. When the falling movement of the abdomen took place, there was the falling of the abdomen." And then the next day, again the same answer. A third day, same answer. Would you say such a retreat and is, uh, you know, deeply penetrating the rise and fall? Probably not. Probably there is much more to be seen. And so, the superficial impression or understanding of things within ourselves in life in general is one thing, and what sort one comes to see um, when one goes deeper is another thing. It's kind of like mm, physicists, maybe thousand, two, three two thousand years ago, looking at the material world, is still in a very simple manner, and then only understanding the most basic principles of physics. But nowadays, we have atomic uh, uh, physics, and with this, the nature of matter is understood in extremely profound ways. So, it's the same thing with wisdom. Now, the Visitori Manga gives a, a second characteristic for Amoha, namely non-delusion. It says the sure penetration like you know, the penetration of an arrow shot by a skillful archer. Now. When we find ourselves inside of a dark room with no electricity, no flashlight, no matches, just uh, no cell cellular form, uh, a phone at hand, so we're inside this dark room, and we simply don't know what is in that room. So if we start walking around, we might suddenly then uh walk into a table or walk into a big cupboard or hit a wall etc so that's not knowing that's the illustration for it, not knowing but when then you know, someone comes along and brings along a flashlight um and with the help of the flashlight, it illuminates that dark room and then right away, one sees the different pieces of furniture in that room, and with that, knowledge, understanding is there. And so the function of wisdom is said to illuminate the objective field. By objective field, we mean the field of observation, the field of objects. So, when wisdom comes, it brings uh, when the, sorry, when the light of wisdom comes, it dispels the darkness of uh, delusion As- in terms of you know, the manifestation. Of non delusion, this is given as non bewilderment. One is no longer confused about the true nature of an um, of an object. The illustration given in this context by you know, the commentator um, Elder Gosa is that of a knowledgeable guide in a forest, in a deep forest. The guide knows the different forest paths and has no difficulty finding his or her way around. Now, the second question was, what is wisdom? And what we've seen is so far, one form, one thing that is not wisdom, is simply to imagine what might be going on in the body or in the mind having some esoteric experiences let's say experiencing some twinkling lights and uh, a sense of great certain peacefulness taking this To be an experience of Nibbana might or might not be correct. So, wisdom is not necessarily identical with uh, some esoteric, uh, uh, far out certain experiences. But rather, it is about, in a a gradual manner, step by step, exploring what is actually happening. Now, the text, especially near the Visuddhimagga, Manga, speaks of insight knowledges. Each insight knowledge describes certain aspects of wisdom. Now, Would you say that wisdom is, especially under uh, modern or under the uh, in the context of um, time pressure, so we don't have much time for a retreat, and then one uh, thinks, well. No, no, this is taking forever let me skip five insight knowledges and uh, no, then, no, then then take it you know, from uh, from the six you know, insight knowledge onwards would that work jumping from one to you know, from inside knowledge number one to number six will be that's not going to work, going to work because the unfolding of wisdom is actually something really systematic one uh, understanding one level of understanding one piece of understanding that has been gained is basically the building block for the next uh, form or level of insight knowledge to arise and the first two, taken together, are then the building blocks for the arising of the next insight knowledge, and so on and so forth. There is no, um, there's nothing like a great leap, or like a frog uh, leaping from uh, one uh, one place to another. There is for sure not a going from let's say experiencing the very first um, basic forms of wisdom and the next day declaring uh, the path has been gained. The noble path has been gained. There is no such thing. That would, uh, that kind of an approach would certainly belong into the world of imagination. The Buddha clearly distinguishes when it comes to uh, wisdom between a mundane form of wisdom and of the super mundane uh, form of wisdom. The mundane form of wisdom covers all those states of consciousness and mental factors arising in a worldly, sorry, so someone who has not yet gained the Dhamma, as well as in a noble person, which are not associated with the supramundane path and fruition, uh, knowledge's of stream entry, once return, and so on. On the other hand, we have what is referred to as super mundane, lokutra in Pali, mundane is Lokia, and that then the super mundane is a term for the four noble path knowledge's and fruition knowledge's and then taking nibbana as the ninth. Hence, certain of the texts speak of the nine supramundane things, Nava, Lokutra, Dhamma in the Pali scriptural language. Maybe to highlight one more point, one or two more points, and then we're done for today. This connection between wisdom and virtue, or ethical conduct, the Buddha observes that there is a mutual relationship between wisdom and the moral quality that is cultivated in a person. Where there is wisdom, there is virtue, and where there is virtue, there is wisdom. According to the Buddha, ethical conduct is purified by wisdom, and wisdom is purified by ethical conduct. In terms of the relationship between wisdom and concentration, Dhammapada, verse 372, informs us there can be no concentration in one who lacks wisdom. There can be no wisdom in one who lacks concentration. He or she who has concentration as well as wisdom is indeed close to nibbana. Now, this Satna trying to work out for yourselves, and allow me to conclude today's Satna Dhamma talk by wishing, may in your practice May more and more intuitive wisdom arise. May this wisdom be direct wisdom and not imaginative wisdom. May it be a penetrative, discriminative form of wisdom. And may this wisdom develop in a systematic manner um, the step by step, and ultimately turn into liberating wisdom with which Shattana then certain aspects of unwholesomeness, certain unwholesome mental factors will be uprooted from the stream of consciousness once and forever. And may this lead to the realization of the peace of. Nibana within this hopefully within this very retreat here at the Taoski Valley. And this is it for now.